For this episode, you are going to hear something a lot different than anything I've ever done before. I've had students on, the non-alcoholic version, obviously. Uh, the podcast has gone on the road, so that's nothing new entirely. But for this episode, you're getting something way off book. And that is a live roundtable Q&A. So my old grad school, UIC, I had a professor who reached out asking for a few of us that had gone through our first couple of years of teaching to come and talk to some of the kids that had some questions um, at UIC. I believe they were all, uh, I don't know, actually, I, I think they were undergrads and graduate students mixed, but this was entirely led by them. And so what they were doing was asking us a few different questions related to first year, second year of teaching and uh, things of that nature. So the audio, I think it turned out pretty good considering we were in a loud, echoey, uh, it's a pretty big room, to be honest. You'll also hear a familiar voice. Sam, who's been on multiple times, uh, was also there. That was a nice surprise seeing him there. So I hope you guys enjoy. This was, um, again, a live Q&A roundtable at UIC. Uh, very excited to have been asked to do that. Uh, and uh, it was a good time. So I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the Classroom Brew Podcast. Teacher podcast is a little bit like drunk history. But wait, do you guys actually drink while you record episodes? Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Well, you want to do your first introductions? Alright, well, uh, I'm Ryan. Uh, I'm a social studies teacher. I teach mostly sophomores uh, at a Southside school. Uh, and we're actually looking for a couple of different positions for the upcoming year. So we can talk more about that later. Um, I am Sam, and I am a middle school uh, social studies teacher. So I, I teach 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th graders, um, uh, also on the south side in Bronzeville. And um, we are an IB school, so I teach MYP. Yeah, we're relatively new, so we're still kind of, you know, inching towards the full, you know, what 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 one would expect from an IB program. But um, we're making our way there. Um, uh, my name is Saul. I'm a social studies teacher at uh, a high school, the Little Village uh, Lawndale High School, and. Uh, southwest side. Uh, this is actually my first year there. Um, taught somewhere differently last year. I taught sixth grade last year, so that was fun. I'm not even saying that sarcastic. So the focus of this panel is for first year teaching and kind of the lessons that you guys have learned. So I guess my first question was, what was the first day like? You know, like you did all this training and preparation, but you never really know until you have your first day. And you mean like first day with students in the building, or do you mean like first day of you in the building? Yeah, oh, that's a good one. I didn't think about that part. It's about a week in between the two. Yeah. yeah we have about one week of all just us sitting there listening to our principal talk for hours and hours. Was it helpful? <laughs> no, the first. Week oh, with the kids. Canceled. No, the kids are great. I love the kids. <laughs> it's my administration. 
It's all right. So yeah, I guess your first day with the kids. We'll stick that around. All right. So um, first day with the kids was it was just filled with anxiety. Uh, especially because uh, in middle school, I, I don't know if it's just my school that did this way or if it's all the schools that do this, but we tried, We did a whole self-contained day. We did that for two days, and we kept the kids in the classroom with their homeroom teacher for the entire day. So I'm over here like, I never prepared for this. <laughs> I went through a secondary ed program, got my middle school endorsement, and I'm over here expecting I'm going to get to see kids like, every 40, 50 minutes, uh, depending on the way that the schedule is. So I've been told that, oh, you're going to have the kids for the first day from 7.45 to 2.45. And I'm like, great, what am I going to do <laughs> for all that time? Um, so it was very, very much just anxiety, like right up until the point that I picked up those kids. Yeah. You want me to add on what I did or how it was to? Yeah. Or, um, once you get started and get, uh, the ball rolling, it's actually not that bad. Uh, it was still kind of scary because no matter how much you planned, uh, you can't plan for the unexpected. I thought that I had enough planned for the day and it turns out I didn't. Uh, but the one thing that helped me plan for that day even before starting off the day was talking to the teachers that have already done it before, people in my team that have been teaching for, even though it was only like two years, three years, four years. Uh, they told me this is what you should do. These are some of the uh, warm-up activities or some of the uh, things that I've done before. Uh, and even halfway through the day, I reached out to another teacher and be like, hey, I don't think I'm going to have enough content to fill up the whole day. What should I do? And then he told me this is a good activity that I did that worked out. So uh, once that once that time hit and it was 2.45, I was just like, wow, I made it. I did it. I survived. <laughs> That's a good way to be. Uh, let's see. So I think you two are both second year, right? Yeah. Um, this is my very first year, so I'm still not quite fully done with the first year. Um, my first day, I remember very clearly. So one, I didn't know, I didn't, ex so I was thinking I was going to be a high school teacher, so I'm very used to like subject teaching and um so I've had similar days to you where it's like some days it was like we're gonna keep your homeroom for the whole day and I'm like okay how do I what do I do um but not the first day the first day we did do our regular rotation um but it was man it was I was felt completely out of my league like I was just like I don't know what I'm doing um and like I I've had a lot of training um, but no one told me how to pick up my homeroom from the playground and um, like how to get them all in a line and like it's the first day of school and you know I've got seventh graders running around and yelling and you know and I'm like I don't know any of these kids yet and I literally don't know who's in my homeroom because I, this is my first year um, and I have a list but that's it um, so it felt like I just felt completely like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Um, and then my school, we have pretty, like, because we're K through eight and we do have pre-K as well. Um, we, like, the middle schoolers don't have bell time. So what teachers do is we essentially, like, between classes, line them up and transition them to their next class. 
And this was totally different because I'm like I had student taught at a high school and I was just like and the hallway expectations are that they're not talking and I was just like, I don't know how to keep a group of 20-some seventh graders quiet in the hallway. Um, and I've learned how to, but uh, that first day I was just like, wow, I completely very lost in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, and so that's one takeaway. Uh, I think, you know, had I been in a high school, it probably still would have been, I probably would have had a lot of stuff, um, but a lot of the stuff at the middle school level, I just totally was not expecting at all. Um, and then from there, I was like, slowly, I think, compared to a lot of the other teachers at my school, I came off very like soft and gentle and like small. Um, I am very much the smallest uh, staff member, I think, at my school. And, uh, <laughs> Physically, yeah. So a lot of my seventh graders were as tall or taller, um, which they're not used to. And so I think there was sort of a lot going on with like being seen as an authority in the classroom. Um, so finding ways to still try to be myself, but establish that authority has been the journey of the last seven months. Um, because the ways of one teacher is totally different from another, and one teacher can just kind of like give students a look and kind of like yell a little bit and like, you know, have, you know, do all that. And students are like, Oh, okay. I better, you know, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Um, and it's not who I am as a teacher. And so it's definitely been a struggle, I would say less so now, but to really sort of that first day I was like, I don't know how to do that. And I think at this point, um, having developed like, uh, routines and classroom management plans and um, constant like expectations and learning how to enforce them through like rewards, acknowledgement, consequences, like all that stuff. Um, I'm at a place where it's very different than how it was the, the first day, but that first day, anxiety and um, feeling completely lost, if I'm just going to be totally honest. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, you know, again, that was like a middle school context. So I'm sure high school, there's a lot of stuff too, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I first say, I, I remember when year two came around, I was like, all right, let's revamp everything. Do it the exact opposite. <laughs> um, I didn't teach a first period class and this year I don't teach a first or second period, which is awful, but, um, I showed up and like we had to be in the hallway to kind of like get everyone redirected, go to class. You know, they get four minutes. They seem to think it means 14 minutes. I'm not sure why, but, um, I turn around and it's like, all right, the bell rang. It's time for that first class. I'm all excited. There's one student in the room. <laughs> uh, and I was like, all right, this is going to be a little weird. Let's just, let's just kind of bring it in a little bit closer. And, um, it got better. Like a few kids came in late. Um, and then in my other classes, most of them were like, oh, this is first period, even though it was really fourth period. Um, and I just went through my syllabus. That's all I was doing. Didn't think it would take the entire time. I thought I could kind of ask them questions, but they're also like a teenager that stares at you on <laughs> Monday morning. So, um, so when I thought about that for this upcoming year, I was like, wow, I was exhausted. I went through a lot of water and I was still super like thirsty from talking for like an hour for five different class periods. So I just kind of shifted it to let's make it all entirely like student centered. Like I'll have like four different activities at four different stations. 
I'll be here for support. I'll talk to them tomorrow after they've, you know, gotten rid of all their other teachers syllabus day. Um, so yeah, it was very low attendance and then way too much me at the front talking at them, I'm sure. So that was a big ship. I have a follow up from when you were talking about the first day and like not knowing the structure of the school or like maybe the culture of how to even get in the school. Was that not something that's done that first week of like professional development? No. <laughs> so like, would there have been a way like, I mean, maybe now would you have like tried to reach out to people and be like, Hey, can you explain to me how things are done? Like not enough time was given to us. Okay. It's literally like there's so many mandates by CPS and principals just in general, uh, their own things that they want to go over, uh, trainings that we have to do, like, it, it was, they're important, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but unfortunately, it's just not enough time for us to even lesson plan either. Like, we're supposed to have time to actually you know, plan our units out and things like that, but we don't have enough time for that. Even like room setup too. I think I got maybe an hour and I was like, all right, I guess I'm staying late. Mm-hmm. Um, grade book access. Did you have grade book access no. on the first day? No, because yeah, we're, we're first teachers, first year teachers. So they were still working on getting our access. I had some kids. This made me feel good though, because the old teacher that had my job, her name was still on like the schedule. So they walked in and some kids were like, Oh, hallelujah. I don't have this woman this year. <laughs> like, all right. Not right. The, the funny thing was, is just like, well, our, my school at the time was going through construction. So the principal is just like, I usually let people come in uh, the week before we have to come in for those PDs, um, but he wasn't letting anybody come in because, well, there's construction happening, so it was unsafe. Um, and I'm like, well, damn, that's crazy because we have to come in a week before to start like fixing up our classrooms, and this is saying that we're not getting paid for that. So any extra things that you have to do, just get ready for that. By the way, we, you'll be fine because not getting paid for teaching is what student teaching gets you ready for. <laughs> uh, so just, just the amount of extra work that you had to put in the first like few days uh, on your free time is just this a lot. Especially if you want to make sure that kids come in to a classroom that has posters up and like the books are ready. Especially if you're mm-hmm. teaching in middle school, right? <laughs> it's it's a lot easier in high school. Literally, legit, all you have to do is put up some posters, and that's about it, and you're good. No setting up a library, nothing like that. God, I'm so much more happier. <laughs> but I love the, the kids are so much nicer in middle school. But yeah, not enough time to be with us. So um, if you're a first-year teacher, especially towards the beginning of the year, maybe you're not as confident, and then people can students can pick up on that. So how do you deal with that? thinking I'm cocky or something like that. Um, no, I feel like if like there's like a mandated civics curriculum in CPS, for example, and I got it the second week of school. And so it was really just kind of winging it. Um, and so really, even though I was just kind of like faking it till I made it, students kind of knew like, Hey, I'm working through this. You guys know, this is like my first week here. Just bear with me. And they were all pretty receptive to that. Um, but there's even times where, Let's pretend it's a lesson that I made and I know where it's going and I'm somehow still lost. As long as you're confident with it, just stick with it. It could be the sinking Titanic, but you're still holding onto that wheel. Like, all right, here we go. I know what I'm doing. 
Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. That's not that's not my words. I think I took that from someone for sure. That was yeah. I've heard that one before too. Fake it till you make it. I use that too because the first unit, according to the CPS mandate for sixth grade social studies, is geography. So I was just like, I never took a geography class. Never taking a geography class. Uh, I learned about teaching geography from Julie Peters and. That's what I thought back to. I'm like, okay, so what did Julie tell us to do when it came to teaching geography? Try to make it more hands-on. Try to, like, have students interact with things. Uh, I looked up stuff online, did a lot of research. Uh, the good thing was is that my school that I taught in was so big uh, that we literally had five uh, sixth-grade classes, and then actually six, six sixth-grade classes, and one of them was uh, in a rotating schedule. Uh, so there was another teacher that taught sixth grade also, and this was his second year there. So I was able to reach out to him, and he actually reached out. He actually, you know, looking back, he reached out to me, and he told me, okay, look, I'm going to share with you my entire drive of everything I did last year. It is garbage, but at least you will have something else. It is something that you can follow along with. Um, and I literally turned his garbage into, like, decent stuff because we worked together because – He's in charge of teaching 6th, 7th, and 8th, similar to you, Sam. Uh, and I was solely in charge of teaching 6th grade to those five classes. Uh, so I was able to take what he did and make it better because I was able to focus more time and attention on it. Uh, collaboration. Collaboration. It's important. So speaking of collaboration, so I'm in the special education department, and I'm curious, how does it work at those beginning week or let's just stick to like the first when you're first understanding like how you need to get information on your your students IEPs and um I guess how you do collaborate with the special education teachers like a co-teacher or just in general well if you have a code I mean I think I guess it depends what the structure is at your school Mm -hmm. yeah I know if there is a code like most of the co-teachers in our building we don't have the time to actually collaborate with them. Like we'll chat, like if there's a down moment in like the class period, but that's really about it. There and should be more time built in, but there. When you're saying lot. co-teacher, that's someone who's in, they're in the class the whole mm-hmm. time with you. So if it's, I think yeah. 30% of your classroom, if they have IEPs, it has to be co-taught at least at the high school level. I'm not sure about middle school level, but um, we have a, since I have a school with a lot of diverse needs, there's usually like half of the classes throughout the day are co-taught. Um, so like I have two of them. Um, and a lot of time it's just the person's coming into the room and they know all the IEPs by heart and they're kind of there to facilitate where you're unable to. Um, but really I try to take like at least once a month to kind of review through my students' IEPs. Um, and a lot of times if it's like an accommodation, I just provide that for every single student so I don't have to keep track of it because mm-hmm. that would take up hours and hours of my day. Um, that's kind of been my support because there isn't a lot of time to collaborate and sit down. Um, I have had a co-teacher in the past, a buddy of mine. He just kind of reminded me like, Hey, we have to provide this for the student. I was like, okay, cool. Thank you. I mean, so when you say co-teacher, they're kind of, you feel like more they're backing you up rather than co-teaching. Correct. When I was, when I was student teaching, it was more of like a a give and take like 50, 50. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it's just the past three co-teachers that I've had in the past two years, or if it's just the way it's been at my school, uh, but it's been more of like a facilitating role. Mm-hmm. So they teach like three classes on their own, instructional classes, and then they're in my room for whatever class period. Um, it's not the perfect model. It's not what I would like it to be for co-teaching, 
And I'm hoping since we just hired someone, we don't have a sub anymore that we can go towards like, let's do a think aloud. And then you play like a character and I'll be the other character. Mm -hmm. So it's more interactive and engaging. Um, can I go back to your one question too about the first week or whatever when we're not quite, um, so looking back, I barely faked it till I made it. Um, and also CPS no longer has like a so scope and sequence for middle school, um, social studies history. They kind of like got rid of that completely and now it's just Illinois standards. Um, then we also do common core standards. So I had nothing. Like it was just like, what do I even teach? Um, for six, seven, and eight. And so, uh, I was starting, you know, I was relying on some of the unit plans that the teacher before me had. Um, but one thing I would actually recommend now that I'm looking back is even if you're not confident or you're not, um, sure of what you're doing, which I think most teachers will be the first week, um, if you can at all before come up with like, first, some sort of, like, idea of, not, maybe, like, I want to say routine, but also, um, behavior management plan. So, like, especially at a middle school level, level. So, putting forth some high expectations of, like, how you want your class to be and how students should act when they walk in your room. Um, and that's going to set the standard that first day because it's really hard to go back after that, and it's really important to set super high expectations um, and enforce them, because at least um, my middle schoolers, I will speak for myself, uh, they knew that, that I was new and I look small, you know, all this stuff, and at that age, it's completely developmentally appropriate to push and push and push and push and push and then push some more. So um, it's really important then to, like, you know, be like, okay, that's not how we're being in here. And here's what I expect of you, and I know you can do it. And to expect anything less is a disservice to you and me. And so framing it in that way, I think, the first week could be really helpful, um, which I didn't do. So, and I, I wouldn't have known that necessarily, how to do that. But looking back, if I could do it again, that's one main thing that I would really push for is like, high standards, um, high expectations so that students know you can do this and this is what I expect of you. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, because it's just like I'm hearing Sam talk and I'm like, yeah, 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 that was, that was the first week uh, last year. Um, I think the Sam is you're going through a lot harder time because you have to teach six, seven, and eight. So Sam is, is seeing them at three different stages of their lives, which are the most hardest. Yeah. Um, I was at least lucky enough to only have to uh, work with the sixth graders, so um, all five classes, sixth graders. So it was a lot easier because I had the same expectations for all of them. Um, and that's the thing is that the first week I did not do those expectations that you should have done. Uh, so it was just chaos. And by the time I realized that those expectations were needed, uh, it was like halfway through the year and I was just like, it was hard to move backwards. Uh, and by that time you were like, I was just like, okay, well, I guess this is me now. And, uh, I just got to ride it out till next year and next year is going to be better. And I take the words from the... They assigned me a mentor teacher, 
what you cannot assign a mentor. I'm just gonna say that. Mm-hmm. You cannot assign a mentor. Mentors are chosen. Uh, me and my mentor, even though you know, from according to other people, she's great. Yes, she has a lot of experience. All those other things too. Um, we didn't buy. It was too much of a. Her philosophies didn't fit mine. She believed that culture development's curriculum was too touchy feely. Uh, and it was, uh, it took away from rigor and we need to focus on rigor the most. And I'm like, well, why not both? Why can't we have rigor and culturally relevant curriculum? Why can't we have rigor and have social emotional learning standards attached to our, uh, curriculum? It's too touchy feely. And I was just like, that's not vibing with me. So I appreciate that you have all these years experience. Uh, I'm good. I found my own mentor. Even though the, the person was only two years into their teaching, I learned a lot from them. We collaborated. It was it was mentorship kind of. And I remember the words that he told me, like, your first year, you're just god-awful. And this was after, you know, we were drinking a lot. And this is why your podcast actually sounds like a great idea. <laughs> um, and he straight up told me. We were, like, at a drunken huddle. Uh, and we were talking, and he was saying, like, believe me, Garcia, this is your first year. It's terrible. You just got to get through it. And next year, you're going to feel like a god. <laughs> it's true, though. Because next, the following year, I felt like I had this down. It was smooth sailing. And then I got a call from my mentor teacher, uh, from student teaching, saying, get your resume ready because I want you to take my job and I'm leaving. And I was just like, damn it. I love your, the school so much that, that she wanted me to go and work at. And I was just like... So I left, ended up leaving uh, a few weeks in, so it felt like jumping from, I was doing so great the first month of October, September and October. Uh, it felt amazing, like everything was rolling, and the first few weeks, the first two months were just great. I was revamping my lessons, I was doing amazing units, and then I ended up having a pickup, and then I'm now I'm teaching high school, and it felt like year one all over again. But not as bad. <laughs> not as bad as year one. But still, the stress of having to figure out a new curriculum, the stress of having to fix, the, uh, fix uh, just create new things. Um, but I know that next year, I will feel like a goddess. <laughs> You're in demigod status right now. I'm like demigod status. I got knocked down. I was like, I was, I felt like a god and then I got knocked down and put into, a different position. Now I feel like Sam. I have three different subjects that I got I got planned for. It's hard. <laughs> so much work. Um. So to stem off of your story and moving schools, how did you know? I guess this would be a question for all of you. And if you're not at the school of your dreams, you don't have to comment on it. But like, how did you know that your school that you decided to work at was right for you? What are some things that you would suggest to think about before you decide to work at a school? I think if there's an opportunity, and I turned down a couple TAT spots and positions at schools that I was like, I don't know if I want to teach five different subjects uh, in one day. <laughs> and then I finally found something that's like, okay, that's a subject I want. It might not be the school that I was like originally envisioning, but you kind of and I'm not saying I speak for everyone, but I, you kind of form the position into what you want it to be. Like I had an offer for a psych position at a school, but it was a maybe like they weren't sure if they were going to have this job at all. And so I was like, all right, that's probably not the one I'm going to go with. So I went with the school that I'm currently at. And now I teach AP psychology anyway, in addition to my other two classes. So it's kind of something where if you invest in it and then 
stick with it, I guess, it becomes a position that you want to be at, the school that you want to be at. So, like, this is my admin's second year, so there's a lot of room for me to, like, move up and have an influence. Uh, like, I'm taking on coaching for other teachers. I'm taking on coaching uh, students for, like, different teams and stuff like that. Uh, and it got to the point where over the summer, when I was gearing up for all that, I didn't even have it in my pocket quite yet. I had a mentor teacher that was like, hey, we have a position that's opening up. Uh, so it was a school that I had been at before. I loved it. It was a great school. I would love to have worked with my mentor teacher. But I was like, I think I'm good for now. It doesn't mean I'm here forever. Um, but I think it's just kind of once you have a chance to sit down and work with it, you just kind of figure it out from there. To be honest, I wasn't sure that it was the right school um, when I took the job, and I'm still not sure, um, if I'm just going to be completely honest, but I knew that I really liked a lot of my coworkers, like when I went through the interview process, and like I knew that I, immediately I would like my team, and it's a small team, and so it's, I'm the only social studies middle school teacher, so... Um, I knew there was a lot of room for me to kind of like go rogue if I needed to, like with my own, like I could, you know, kind of fly under the radar a little bit with social studies and teach anything I wanted um, at a middle school level, which, you know, has its challenges because you don't necessarily have that, this is U.S. history class, you know, but um, I knew that I liked that about middle school and I knew that, um, like I said, I liked my team and I liked my principal. Um, when I met her. So for those reasons, um, I knew that those things would be like a good fit. As far as like how, you know, it being my first year and everything and I'm at a middle school level, I'm not sure if it's the right age for me. Um, just in terms of like how I operate, you know, I don't like to, like, I don't even see myself as that much of an authority figure. But yet I feel like sometimes, especially in sixth grade, like a lot of students, they feel safer when there's a strong authority. Um, and so I'm struggling with that, especially. Um, I do a lot better with the eighth graders because they're like, the world, it's such a difference. The two years, it's like, like little kid to like, you're a high schooler. So it's, um, so to be honest, I'm still not sure and may not be, um, for another year or so. Um. For me, it's just, you know, when I finally decided that I wanted to become a teacher, maybe like six years ago, uh, when I was at, when I decided to go back to school at uh, Malcolm, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, and the reason why is because I wanted to work in the neighborhood I grew up in. Uh, I grew up in Little Village, so that was my dream, was to always go back and teach in my neighborhood. Uh, so I would do a lot of volunteer work there, and uh, when I was, I went for a college talk at my at the school I used to teach at, um, and the principal loved me. He was like, I want you to come and uh, apply for this position we have opening up, sixth grade social studies teacher. And to me, I just, I wanted it because I want to teach in my neighborhood. Uh, it was a battle between that position and my old high school, actually, that I graduated from, had an opening too. Uh, I kept getting told by so many people, don't go teach at your old high school. Not, not, not because, hey, you shouldn't teach at your old high school, more as in like, that high school is bad. As in like, they chew teachers up and spit them out type of thing. Um, so I took the sixth grade teacher position because I liked the principal, I liked the admin, I knew that I would be teaching, one of my uh, team members would be somebody that I graduated high school with. 
Uh, she's awesome. I remember her from when we were in debate team. So I was really excited to start. I was scared about teaching sixth graders. But ultimately, throughout the year, it turns out that the thing that I loved the most about teaching there was the kids, and the secondary was the people that I worked with. Uh, it was very problematic. Um, I had teachers talking crap about me behind my back, from what I heard, because I focused too much about social justice curriculum in, in my classroom. And I was very open about it. I was un unapologetic about teaching social justice in my, in my curriculum. Um, and the other teachers didn't like that. They thought that it was a waste. They thought that our kids didn't need that. Um, and this is why I was just very like sour about it. Uh, and my administration didn't like it either because uh, they abided by this idea that uh, children have no rights in school. Um, that students should not be allowed to protest during the Pledge of Allegiance because that's, it's about respect. I had a lot of those issues come up. Uh, ultimately, the thing that kept me going at that school was the fact that I talked to an old uh, mentor principal of mine, amazing principal, she is the best. Uh, if you guys don't know Tepeshkali Elementary School, uh, that, te that principal is amazing. And I talked to her and I asked her, what advice do you have? Because I just feel like I'm getting burned out trying to fight these battles. And she said, remind yourself that you are there for the students. Uh, I've worked with problematic people before too, and just remind yourself and constantly remind yourself you're there for the kids, you're there for the kids. Um, and that's what made it hard for me to leave, uh, because I love those kids. Those kids need good teachers. They need amazing teachers. But uh, it was just such a hard, um, it was hard to pass that up, because the Little Village, uh, Lawndale School of Social Justice, literally that's the name of the school, School of Social Justice, is where our students taught. All the teachers there are amazing. I'm learning so much from them. Uh, the philosophy of the school and the administration and the teachers are just everything that I've always dreamt of. And that position comes very rarely. The teacher that I took over for literally was a 12-year vet, decided to start working for the network. From what I heard from everybody, once that position opened up, they were getting emails emails about like, well, I want to apply for this job, I want to apply for this job. Um, but it's just like, so I was just like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't turn it down because this isn't Benito Juarez, this isn't Curie, like it would be, I'd love to work at those schools, but this was like my dream school. I knew that was my dream school because when I applied to student teach, that was my number one choice. Uh, like I was just like, this is my number one choice, I want to go student teach there because I want to learn from these people. Um, so I was just like, yeah, can't give it up. I did not see myself teaching at this school two years into my career. <laughs> I literally thought I, she would not let that. I literally had to fight her during my student teaching about like, I want to teach your African-American, Latin American history class. And she would not let it go. She would not let me teach those classes. So I told her, okay, let's compromise. Let's co-teach them. Would you be okay with that? And she's like, okay, I'm okay with that. You can take all my other classes except for that class. I, I want, but that's my baby. That's what she kept telling me. So for her to leave that job, I was like, I was blessed. I was like, I got to. So I speak from them. It still broke my heart though. I literally cried when I left my kids. Uh, cause I left in the end of October. Uh, and I teared up as I was walking out with my things. And they, it was, it was sad. Because ultimately those are my kids. You know, I love them. Uh, but hey, you know, I'll, hopefully I'll see them again. 
in a few years once they go to high school. And if I don't, then they went to Lane Tech or something. <laughs> um, we're getting a little close to ending time, so I guess I would ask, what's one big takeaway that you've gotten from your first year of teaching? that you would share with incoming teachers? There was something that a friend at one time told me. Um, there's this article from, uh, like, at Pedagogy about uh, finding the marigolds in your school. There's this philosophy of finding the positive teachers at the schools and surrounding yourself with them. Marigolds, the flower grows good when they're around other marigolds. Uh, and because, so, surround yourself with positive people, good teachers that love their job, uh, and continue to love it, love the kids. Don't surround yourself with negative people because that is very toxic to your person. And so, in, when you find those positive people, collaborate with them, ask them for help, because they'll be able to just assist you through everything. Um, I still talk to a lot of the people that I worked at from my other school, and um, the positive ones, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I tell them all the time, like, I miss you guys over there, but I'm, it's, it's, too, it's too great over here. I'm having too much fun. Uh, yeah, so surround yourself with good people. Find, find other teachers that you can talk to and, and de-stress, uh, whether it's through drinking <laughs> or just uh, hanging out. Okay, uh, three. Uh, I'll make it quick. <laughs> Um, one, take care of yourself. That's like my big, one of the biggest takeaways. Like, I burned out in January and that did no one any good. Um, including myself, my students, any, you know, other teachers. Uh, and then had to take a couple of days off from school because I was just such in a bad place. Um, the other thing is, well, I definitely agree with so, um, but also, uh, expect that nothing will go as expected, especially your first year. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe some teachers who are really, you know, great or whatever had a particularly great first year that's different, but in my situation, just don't expect things will go as you expect. And don't see that as wrong, either. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then the final thing is, like, really take a minute to, like, it's hard when maybe you've hit burnout or you're having a particularly low day, but really do actually celebrate the accomplishments, because um, they're there, and even like knowing that, like, like the re part of the reason I was late is because one of my students. Um, so I started a gay straight alliance at my school, and uh, one of my students who have been, um, who's been a part of that group, uh, was having a rough day and was just sort of sharing with me a lot, um, and so I was able to like get her to where she needed to be, but um, celebrate those things that, like, that student felt safe enough to come and talk to me. Um, and even those little moments where, like, for me, if you're out of middle school, my seventh graders who came in are, like, different people now. <laughs> like, that's how quickly they grow, especially in, in middle school. Um, so getting to see their own, their development and um, the trust that you built with them and how... Um, yeah, just getting to see all of their growth. 
social, emotional, uh, intellectual, all of that. Um, and then finally, if you're having a low, low day, remember that it may not be the only low day that you have, but there will always be better days. Um, because I think it's really easy as teachers, like, at least for me, to blame myself or to be like, I didn't do well enough or I'm not doing enough or whatever. And like today was a particularly hard day. Um, nothing went as planned. But just remembering that like as many low days as I'm going to have, I'm also going to have some really wonderful days. So keeping that in mind. So I actually learned one of mine from Sam. Uh, Sam's been on my podcast, but one of the things that you were teaching me was taking a mental health day. And when I took my first like mental health day, I think I think I texted you. I texted a mental teacher, and I was like, "Why do I feel guilty?" And you guys, you both responded like within minutes, saying, "Stop." <laughs> um, and it was really helpful. And so this year, I've started to take them like infrequently to kind of like space it out instead of just going the entire year and then like one or two at the end. Um, so that's been really helpful to actually know those limits. Um, I kind of realized that I was almost rushing myself through everything. Like I had to get this done, this done, this done. But it was me that was making that rule the entire time. Um, so I've also just kind of been slowing down. So like some of you, you might not have that control really depending on what your curriculum map is or what your school is like. But if you have that freedom and autonomy, use that so that you can actually, I mean, it's going to be better for your students, but it's also be better for your own mental health. And then I guess my last one is if you have some way to get outside of teaching. So like coming back to UIC after I graduated in 2017. So it's been two years since I've been on campus and it kind of makes everything that's like going wrong at the school right now seem really small because it's, well, one, it's all the way over there on the South side. <laughs> um, but two, it's just kind of putting things back into perspective, which has been helpful. Um, but then having a hobby, that's like the other big thing too. So like I started a podcast because I was like, cool, I want to talk to people and have a beer or two, and have some sort of a creative outlet, uh, and that's been really helpful. Of course, now I have to find another hobby because now this doesn't seem like a hobby. But, um, but those are those are my three: slowing down, taking a mental health day, and then having something outside of teaching. <laughs> there is still a little bit of guilt, to be honest. But yeah, I'll just go back to my time. Yeah, but then and sorry, and I did learn that from Ryan too. Is like. Um, like I started guitar lessons so like because I he and I were having a conversation right before I started teaching um, this past summer Ryan was like make sure you do something for yourself outside of school and so I finally took Ryan's advice and like I'm a guitar player you know and so it really does help and now I read YA novels in my free time as well so things like that yeah Actually, a lot of people do tell me you need to take a you need to take a day, man. You need to take a day, and I'm like, no, I just I feel guilty all the time. I'm still working on that. Um, actually, uh, Thursday when grades were due, um, I don't, I wasn't a day off. I was asked to go on a field trip with uh, this band group, becoming a man, and I felt guilty taking this field trip because I knew it was just gonna be relaxed and it was gonna be a good day to just hang out with these kids. And it was just like. Feels so good. It feels so great. And I have kids emailing me, Garcia, Garcia, you're gonna come back to the building. You're gonna come back to the building because I need to turn in all this late work. And I was just like, I told y'all Wednesday. I need to work Wednesday. I told you Wednesday. So I was, I felt guilty, but everybody kept telling me stop feeling guilty. You told them Wednesday, so this is on them now. Teach them their responsibility because you told them Wednesday. Um, 
So I'm, I'm still working on that. I actually started playing music. Um, I started. I used to play in a band, but unfortunately, I started uh, playing. I started coaching softball. Uh, so that's been an outlet, but it's also kind of stressful too. I'm just waiting until season's over so I can start playing music again as a hobby. But coaching has been fun. It's it's kind of like an outlet. I've never played baseball <laughs> ever. High school, college, nothing. I know how to throw a little bit. I watch baseball. But the head coach asked me, hey, Garcia, I need help. I see that you're great with the kids. I need a coach for the JV team. We have enough girls to do a JV team, but I need a, I need a JV coach. So I don't know anything about baseball. She told me, don't worry, look, I'll teach you. You got to be ahead of the, one, one day ahead of the kids, just like teaching. Be one day ahead of the kids. <laughs> so she taught me, these are the fundamentals of throwing the ball. This is the fundamentals of swinging. So I've been practicing with the girls at the same time because they don't know anything about baseball either or softball. So I've seen myself getting better as they're getting better too. And it's so fun because I grab my, I grab a glove and I start playing catch with them too. So, and we won our first game a few weeks ago. So I was like, yes, we're doing good. We're getting it. That's part of my morning routine now too. So we're talking about like don't take mental health days, but I get it every single morning. I have this little like, Mr. F, why are you always here? And I'm like, hey, Kayla, how's it going? Like every single day. That's part of it too. I love that your advice is all about self-care. Like all three of you. Like you could have said, memorize the standards and be really organized. And like, you know, I don't know, build up a huge teacher toolbox so like you're ready to go. But it was all of the advice was like, take care of yourself and take a mental health day and have a hobby and just focus on being healthy and happy. You're not doing anybody any good if you are completely burnt out. Um, so just to add to that, you have to pick a time every night where you're done working. And it could be 9 o'clock for you. Maybe, you know, you'd like to go to bed earlier. It could be midnight because you're whatever. But you have to pick that time and make a decision that that lesson plan is not getting any better. It's not, right? It's, it's midnight. Um, and turn it off and do something for yourself. Yeah. Um, that's actually advice I got when I went into grad school, but I think that it also translates to being a teacher because especially as a first year teacher, you are up every night working and grading. You have to pick a time. Oh, it's 10 o'clock. It's off. I'm done. One of the, one of the best advice I got from actually somebody I graduated with, uh, one of my buddies and he actually asked, Oh, I wish I could have known about this. I would have came to talk to this. Uh, we, we hang out like once in a Should while. I didn't think it was like, you know, inviting guests, but next time, if we do this again next year, I'll bring them. Um, I, me and him were cool, uh, when we were, when we graduated together. Um, we both love wrestling, so we're always talking about wrestling together, but we also, he, we, we used to meet up once a week to just like vent and talk about teaching. Um, but since I started coaching, it's been kind of rough, but he still calls me and we talk a little bit. Uh, and one of the best advice he gave me, and then I kept hearing the same advice from a lot of other people, is stay at the school as late as you can. Don't take any work home. Uh, my first year, I used to take work home with me all the time. All the time. And this year, I would be staying at the school till, hell, sometimes I was there till 6.30 when they send the all call that they're going to close down the school. But that's the whole all call thing. Is like, yeah, I'll call. Students need to get out because security's <laughs> leaving. Uh, teachers, literally, I've heard about teachers staying there till 8. Uh, so I stayed there till 6.30 doing work. And I tell myself, no, I'm not going home because if I'm not done with this lesson for tomorrow, if I'm not done grading, I'm not taking this home. So if this is going to be done, it's going to get done today. And if I can't get it done today, then it's not, it's not worth the time. 
so it's great because I get home. I put on some wrestling. I watch it. I end up falling asleep on the couch around nine o'clock, and then I <laughs> realize, oh man, I just missed the ending. Now I gotta go to bed and do this all over again tomorrow. <laughs> Not in a sad way, in a happy sad way. Happy sad. Happy sad. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for coming in. Um, I We were taking notes here and there. Um, but we really appreciate it. And obviously you guys have shared a lot of different stories with us about the difficulties of your first year teaching and kind of navigating through everything. Um, but you have showed us that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So we really appreciate it. And there's no better lesson you can learn than through experience and you guys have shared your experiences with us so thank you thanks for mm-hmm. did, did we say just just so you guys know the first year is going to be the worst <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone said that did we? I think we got it you yeah, yeah I think, yeah, I think we got it yes I think you need to really understand the first year is the worst but next year is going to be great hopefully you guys remember that once you get paid for it it's going to be better we'll see how that paycheck comes in and if you guys want to, I'll probably put, I'll probably just put the whole thing up um, on the podcast. You can check it out. It's Classroom Brew. Yeah, share yeah, that we'll with us. That. And then wait two years and I'll go, I want to be on. <laughs> <laughs> That's I think I got like some free business cards once. I can like leave a bunch too if you guys like, there's like a bunch of contact information, like the email for the podcast, all that stuff. That's so cool. Same I'm so enough. excited. Three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you know? Earlier I said, Oh, I don't know if you're going to know the other panelists, but I I listened to that episode, so I was like, oh, I should have been that. I can't remember all the numbers. I know one of them was 12, and then something yeah. in the 40s or 50s or something. Did you know yeah. what it I also I also think it's interesting that I sent an email to maybe 20 former students, and it wasn't until the three of you introduced each other that I was like, and it was all, all social studies. Grads, <laughs> <laughs> like, there's something maybe about that, but... Yeah. It's telling, right? I think so. Yeah. Social studies teachers. Yeah. What about that? <laughs> so go on. Well, but you can still do I met an amazing math teacher. Uh, she taught sixth grade math, and she taught me about her entire uh, social justice curriculum for sixth grade math, and I was like, that's amazing. She literally teaches kids percentages by looking at, like, mass incarceration in the United States. Wow. And I was just like, that is the coolest thing ever. Like, and I was like, that's awesome. It's, you know, Matt's used to do it too. Yeah. Are there resources that you'll work on it. for that sort of stuff? <laughs> uh, I know one of the things I always go to. So that was my live Q&A roundtable at UIC. A lot of fun to be back on campus. A little bit of weirdness. Um, kind of seeing the different changes around campus, but still really cool to be back there. It really kind of, I think I mentioned it in there, kind of put things back into perspective stuff that happens in my district and in my building. Uh, So kind of seeing that larger picture uh, from where I came from, and it kind of reminded me of uh, why I got into this. So that was pretty awesome. So thank you to Jen, my professor, for inviting me, uh, and to the students that asked the questions, and as well as the other people that were on the panel. So until next week, uh, if you haven't already, make sure you rate and review all that good stuff. Reach out classroombrew at gmail.com and at classroombrew on social media. And until next week, class dismissed. Mm -hmm.